Amen. We're going to be in Leviticus 10, but before that, there's context. For those of you guys that know me by now, I give context all the time because there's folks that will take one scripture out of context and they build a, a denomination and a foundation for beliefs on it. So context always helps us understand what the Bible is saying. Just so you know, scripture always interprets scripture. So you don't need to go to a YouTube preacher all the time to find out what the Bible is saying. You can just read it for yourself. Amen? Amen. Okay. So this is the context. We are reading through um, Leviticus, but it starts around Exodus 34. And that's where Moses is now making uh, new tablets after he destroyed the others. And the people and the children of Israel are commanded that they're going to get ready and prepare and consecrate themselves because they're starting to build the tabernacle furniture to be placed inside the tabernacle. And so you see some of the things that you've heard there, the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze basin, the court, the tabernacle materials, everything the Lord was so specific with that he had to tell them step by step what to do. Is the Lord specific? Is the Lord specific? Yes, sometimes the Lord's asking us for something and we offer him something else. And the Lord is saying, I want you to deal with this. And we're like, Lord, but I'll fast for three days. That's not what he's asking you for. He'll give you a plan and he'll give you instructions on how to do it. So you're probably looking at this and wondering, what does this have to do with me? Throughout this year, 2022, you and I were building furniture inside of here. But what were we building for him? And so this is uh, what the message is kind of revolving around is his presence inside of us and that we don't want any strange fire allowed. So uh, Exodus 40, verse 34, this is a part we'll read. This is after the furniture's ready. Uh, they're about to fly out Billy Graham to come preach. And no, I'm joking, okay? Some of y'all probably don't know who Billy Graham is. Um, verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of meeting because a cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. That means they'd move. But if the cloud was not taken up, if it was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I believe that kingdom has stepped into something, and I apologize. I'm, I, I hope you didn't come in for me to preach you happy this morning. I know we're going to be reading a lot of scripture, and I know that's sometimes seen as wrong in church, but we have to read these things and receive a revelation from the Lord. I'm here to tell you that kingdom has entered into a stage where we're moved by that cloud. We're moved by the Spirit. And so sometimes you're going to hear us sing one song, sometimes two songs, sometimes three. Might be six. We don't know. But we're doing what the Lord's asking us for do, to do. And there's times we're back here, even though you don't see us communicating with each other, we're, we're feeling out, Lord, what is it that you want to do? Where do we go to next? I think that's where we need to be concentrating on is where the Lord is leading us. Amen? Amen. Leviticus 1 through 7, if you want to go to sleep really good tonight, you can read that in your bed. Um, this is right after that event just happened in Exodus 40. And so 
the Lord tells them, hey, these are the different types of offerings you're to, supposed to present uh, to me for these occasions. And so um, last service, I made a comment about giving. You know, some people mistaken kingdom as a prosperity gospel church. Um, I'm here to tell you we don't preach prosperity gospel. We preach a provisional gospel that God provides what you need. God provides what we need. He's not going to send me a jet because I could barely afford the fuel for my Tundra. You know, it's a 5.7 liter. So the last thing I need is another jet to put money into. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us what we need. Not going to give you a million dollars. As a matter of fact, God does not have money in heaven. Some of us are praying ourselves broke. Lord, send $100. Let someone drop $100 right here, Lord Jesus. But instead, he's asking you in Scripture that when you give, that the doors of heaven, the windows of heaven will be open unto you. So you want to be more blessed 2023? Unfortunately, the only way to receive is to give. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. So if you have an issue, you can write a letter to the Lord. Hopefully, he'll receive it. But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then we get into Leviticus chapter 9. Now it's time for God to show up. Verse 1, on the eighth day, everyone say eighth. That's a specific number there the Lord used. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, take for yourself a bull calf, a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish and a burnt offering. That's a lot of stuff, right? And an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and grain offering mixed with oil for today the Lord will appear to you. Verse 5, and they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. You heard Kristen uh, say this morning, lean in to the Lord. Lean in this morning. God's always waiting for us to lean in. Notice how they were waiting for God to show up. Something happens when you come expectant to church on Sunday and not just come to hear your favorite song. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. We're going to jump to verse 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people, and he blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Isn't that awesome? Amen. That they didn't just come into a place to cry, but they actually saw God's glory. That's amazing. And fire. Everyone say Fire. And a fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Amen. You know, when you see the Lord move, there's only one posture to be in. It's on our knees. That's right. That's right. I think that's a posture that we need to learn in America is that when you see the Lord having mercy on us, we need to be on our knees. So then we still continue. It's still the eighth day. Everyone say eighth day. All right. Still the eighth day. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Now this is where we're starting from, technically. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and filled fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire. That word in Hebrew, unauthorized, means strange. 
So they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Good intentions, bad decision. So what happened to them? Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord had said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. You know what that means? He did not say one word. Aaron's sons were just killed before him, and he did not say one word. Why? Because he knew that the Lord was right. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So not only just out of the tabernacle, get them away where people could see them. We don't want to see them anymore. So they came near, they carried them in their coats out of the camp, and Moses had said, uh, and Mo- as Moses had said, and Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer, the son, and Ithamar, his sons, do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes. That was a, a, um, a sign of mourning in the Bible. Lest you die, and wrath come upon you and all the congregation, but let your brothers and the whole house of Israel be well the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Listen, you can be anointed and still do the wrong thing. You could, do, you could be anointed and think you heard God say. And the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, drink no wine or strong drink. That's interesting that right after someone was just burned to death, God tells them, don't drink alcohol. Very interesting, right? Or is it just me? I think that's really strange. He says, don't drink any strong drink. You or your son's with you when you go into the tent of meeting. So maybe that's a clue why they were burned up. Lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy, everyone say holy, holy. and the common, everyone say common. And between unclean and clean, and you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Man. Wow. Talk about um, starting off on the wrong foot. Right? The dedication's there. It's happening. Everyone's around. Your mom's happy. She's cheering for you. Go Nadab. Go Nadab. Go Avihu, go Avihu. And next thing you know, they're carried out and burnt up. I think it's very important because, you know, Moses and Aaron, it's, 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 it's a picture of the church being joined in with the Old Testament believers of the Old Testament um, Hebrews and Israelites. Moses was a prophet of Israel, but Aaron was a priest. For some reason, even though they were brothers and belonged to a Levitical priesthood, only Aaron's descendants could be priests. And so these people, these kids, the sons of Aaron, knew what to do in the presence of the Lord and in the tabernacle. It's essentially like a pastor's kid, right? They know how to conduct funerals. They know how to marry you. They know how to preach you happy. They know how to preach you sad. They knew what to do, but they just they, they thought of the wrong thing of how to create this, this incense fire in the tabernacle. So what am I getting at? Eight is a very interesting number. And, and it kind of works in itself in this sermon. So everyone say eight. In the Bible, eight is used frequently with dedication 
or things of that nature. So I'll give you some examples. This tabernacle was dedicated on which day? Okay, these are not trick questions, by the way. What number? Okay. A Hebrew child at what, how many days old? Was circumcised so that he could be a part of the covenant promise with Abraham. A leper was brought in to the high priest, and after eight days, he was considered clean after he was evaluated and, and, and treated by the priest. The first of the holy feasts of the Lord in Leviticus 23 lasts for eight days. That's Passover and unleavened bread. The last feast of those lasts for, y'all forgot it, eight, <laughs> eight days. That's uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the dwellings, the indwellings of the Lord. Very interesting that we see eight a lot. As a matter of fact, tonight, I didn't say this first service, but tonight there's a, a new holiday that's going to be pretty much kicked off in Israel. It's called Hanukkah. Uh, coincidentally, Hanukkah means dedication, and that lasts for who would have thunk, right? Pretty interesting. Eight is pretty important to the Lord. By the way, God is a, num- God is a God of numbers, but not the God of numerology. Just like he's a god of astronomy, but not astrology. So he's the creator of the cosmos, but he's not telling you how you should feel this month based on the orbiting of the moon or other planets. So we need to go to the Bible to tell us how we need to feel. Anyway, I just got off on him. It was a rabbit I saw chasing me. So these new priests were entering into a holy place, that was a tabernacle, on a holy appointed time, the eighth day, with a common mindset. He tells them in Leviticus 10.10, you are to distinguish between the holy and and the common and between the unclean and the clean. Guys, to be holy simply means this, this, to be set apart. God is set apart from all other gods, and I know it's I know you hear it all the time, there is no God but God. No, there, is, there are other gods, but God is the God over all the gods. God is the God of the universe. There is no one like him. So God is set apart, even from these other gods, even from us. To be set apart means that you don't talk the same, you don't look the same, you don't act the same. And I'm going to step on some toes here, but if you need to be set apart, then that probably means you need to leave some friendships or relationships sometimes. If you want to be set apart, sometimes that means you don't take lunch with everybody from work, but you take lunch alone, and you pray and you listen to what he's saying. To be set apart takes more of us being disciplined than God to move. But we also need to be holy. Amen? Amen. Should the church be holy? Amen. But guess what? We can't do it on our own. We need him. Leviticus 11.44 says this, For I am the Lord your God, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Who said that? God, right? God said, you need to consecrate yourself. You need to be holy as I am holy. Interesting part about that text in Hebrew, the the same words, holy, right? Um, When he's talking about for us to be holy, that word holy is actually missing a letter in it. So God is saying, even though you can't obtain the holiness that I have, you're going to receive this portion of holiness that only I can give you. Pretty interesting to see that. So no strange fire ladder. Are you still with me this morning? Okay, some of you guys are going cross-eyed. So say this with me. Say, no strange fire allowed. No strange fire allowed. 
So what about this? I'll, I'll tell you a story so that you can relate to this a little better without someone being burned up. Seven years old, I was, um, you know, pastor's kid. My parents were evangelist pastors. And it was not uncommon for folks to just randomly arrive to our house and say hello and eat a meal or we'd offer a room for them to stay. And so, you know, that morning we had been cleaning because we knew this evangelist was coming into town. So, you know, my mom was crazy. We were cleaning chandeliers each little segment by segment. We were mopping, sweeping. I mean, it was crazy, right? You can imagine. So then my dad gets ready. He puts on this dry-cleaned, white-collared shirt, a Van Heusen shirt for those of the men that know. He had his tie on and his slacks. And um, finally, the, the, the pastor gets there. The evangelist gets there. We knew the drill, right? We come out. We say, hello, God bless you. Nice to meet you. You're growing up. All the small talk, right? For some reason, I decided to sit next to my dad on the couch right after introducing myself to the evangelist. Seven years old, I start getting a little complacent there, so I start scooting myself back on the couch, and I start kicking my feet, start wandering off. Next thing you know, I kick my feet up onto the couch, and I start, you know, worming around a little more. Next thing you know, I put my feet, the bottom of my shoes, right on my dad's shirt, like right in front of the evangelist. I put my dirty shoes on his white shirt. And I saw my dad straighten up, and he asked the evangelist, you know, can you, can you excuse me for a second? I need to take care of something. Church, I can't tell you, I, I don't know which room we went to. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I was beaten outside, in the restroom, in the car. I don't know. What, what I do remember is I'll never do that again. Why do I share this? Because a lot of us treat God that way. We've went through all 2022, and we thought, we got ourselves here. My job paid for my car. My job paid for this. I did this. My kids are all-stars and, and all-star-round athletes and academic folks and whatever accolade you want to throw in there. It's like putting our feet on God. And God is saying, I called you to be holy, not to be interested in yourself. We're called to be holy, y'all. I don't think that we forget that God's holy. I think we get comfortable. Yeah. I hear some people say, me and the man upstairs. There's no man upstairs. We shouldn't be using that. He's not the man upstairs. He's God Almighty. That's right. That's right. We, we can't limit him and put him in a box, y'all. He is so much more than that. So why did God consume Nadab and Abihu with fire? A couple of theories out there. One says that they were actually drunk while performing the temple service. Maybe that's why the scripture showed directly afterward to not drink wine or strong drink. Would you be comfortable with me ministering up here being intoxicated? What about in your circle of influence? What do you think people say when you're intoxicated around them? Is that glorifying the Lord? Some people said maybe, maybe, just maybe, they grabbed a flame from a different place and, and threw it with the incense and they just didn't know. Some people say they probably offered the incense at the wrong time. It's probable. Some other people say they maybe approached the Holy of Holies a little too much close for comfort for the Lord. And that's when he burned them. 
the reality is, it's interesting to me that they brought a strange fire and the Lord used his fire to consume them. It's really interesting. I didn't say it first service, but uh, in Judaism, they teach that the Lord actually used his flame to go up their nose and to remove their souls. In other words, the same work that they were trying to present to the Lord, like an artificial or an imitation form of what he could do, the Lord used it to kill them that way. Either way, the Lord used fire to consume them. So maybe you're thinking in your chair, what does this message have to do with me? I thought I was going to hear the story of eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus and the manger story. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it breaks my heart. Most Christians don't even know where Jesus was born. They don't even know where he was raised. And the only time we hear a story is this week. If we say we love this Savior and Master, we need to know all about him. It's sad that we'll know where this wide receiver came from, which college he came from, but we can't tell you where Jesus grew up. Sorry. You can write me an email and I won't read it. (laughs) You are a priest carrying God's name before the nations. Listen to me. You are a priest. That is your number one position. So you are a son and daughter of the Lord, but you are a priest in a form of position before the Lord. So you have a calling on your life that maybe you didn't sign up for, maybe you didn't even agree to it, but the Lord said, you are now my priests. You are priests before the nations, and you carry his name. So whatever you and I do, it's either to glorify God or to get people to curse God. Depends on how you live your life. Depends on how you carry yourself. 1 Peter 2, 4 says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by God, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual or as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. God's not asking you to go find a lamb right now. Okay, He's asking you to offer something from in here. And he says, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on to talk about the cornerstone being Jesus. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What does that mean? You don't belong to yourself anymore. So as a priest, you no longer carry the Rodriguez, the Martinez, the Smith, whatever your last name is. You're now carrying the name of Jesus on you. And so he's saying you belong to him. You are now a royal priesthood chosen for him. All right? I get that, Isaac. I'm a priest. What else? Well, something that you hear but you don't see in context. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, i got to decorate. I'm going to sleeve myself out and get jacked up. No, that's more than that. It's a spiritual temple, right? It's a spiritual temple. So whatever we are doing on the outside is typically a reflection of what's happening in here. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one, everyone say one, spirit with him. So it's no longer Isaac and the Lord, it's just the Lord. I now become one with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? 
Again, think of that furniture, think of the altar, think of that bronze basin whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Let me ask you this after reading that. When's the last time your body glorified the Lord? Is it Sunday morning? When has our body glorified the Lord? I'm telling you, this, this message beat me up before I even stepped up on this platform. Because God asked me the same thing. When, Isaac, have you glorified me with your body? That's a scary question. All right, don't get so droopy on me and sad. There's hope. Your heart is the altar of sacrifice. You know, it's actually proven that people die from heartbreak. You know why? Because they had other people on the altar instead of a sacrifice of themselves there. And they focused so much on, that, on having that person in their life that when they left, they felt they had nothing left. Be careful. Your heart is the altar of sacrifice. Psalm 51, 16 and 17 says this, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Guess what? If you're brokenhearted, the Lord's extremely near to you. He says, a broken heart and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So you're feeling like you don't have it together. You feel like you're a mess. Congratulations, you're in the perfect spot for the Lord to be near to you. You feel like you can't get your life together, you're a perfect candidate because the Lord is near to you. The Lord will never reject any humble request as long as your heart shows it. God provides a fire for our sacrifices. I like what John the Baptist said in Matthew three eleven. He said, I came to baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me, talking about Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. In this day and age, it would have been Crocs. Okay, so he said, I want to be able to even mess with his crocs. But he says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and? See, when you know the Lord, you're not having to grab a flame from somewhere else. You're not having to grab a flame from an old preaching that got you saved at 15 years old. He fills you up. He, his fire consumes you, and it keeps going on and going on. Our own fires, we have to fuel his are eternal. So, His holy fire fuels our lives. His holy fire fuels our lives. How many of you this year said, I'm going to be the best version of me that I can be? I'm going to get so fit. When I go to Cancun, I'm going to have a 13-pack. I'm going to be jacked. And then you showed up and you left your shirt on because you're like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't put in the work for it. I might have been that person, Okay. Why do I say that? I say that because we do the same thing in the spiritual. We think that by maybe hearing a podcast or someone teach on Facebook or YouTube, that that's what's fueling us. But if we don't go to the source, it keeps going out, man. We've got to go to that consuming fire. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. It even says that Jesus' eyes are like a burning flame. He is consumed with fire. He's consumed with his father's business. So Levit Leviticus 16 gives us the answer as to what Nadab and Abihu should have done. Verse 11 says, Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull 
as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from where? From where? From the altar. From the altar. You want to know why Christians get burnt out? Because they're not taking fire from the altar. They're taking fire from YouTube. They're taking fire from Christian music. Gospel music. And it makes you feel good for a day or a week or a month, but that can't keep you. That can't sustain you. You have to go back to the altar where you offer those sacrifices to the Lord and say, look, Lord, I'm a mess. Would you come? Lord, here's my life. I don't even know what I need to do, but I need you to come. I need you to show up with your fire. He goes on to say that um, the fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of incense beaten small, and that's the way that you're supposed to grab the flame to present it before the Lord. You see, a lot of times people will hear me preach and they're like, man, you're, maybe I'm a little hard or rigid, but you don't understand I had to be beaten to hear and to give this sermon. I'm the first one that has to be put through the fire. I'm the first one that has to check myself. And I told God, God, if I'm going up with my fire, I don't want it. I said, Lord, if I'm going to preach on my own anointing and my own fire, I would rather get sick or hit by a car away from Odessa. I would rather do that than get up on here with my own fire. So what about you? From where? Where did you grab the fire that you're burning in your heart right now? 